Welcome everyone to another installment of Tea Time. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. And we're your co <laughs> we're your co-hosts. Before we begin, I just want to remind our listeners to go ahead and follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Tea Time Podcast. But remember the own podcast is the number zero. Also, feel free to email us some topics you want to hear us discuss. Our email is podcastteatime1 at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram for topics. We'd love to hear from you. Today, we have two great topics. First, we're going to be discussing the politics of Black History Month. It's a month that, for some reason, seems to always stir up controversies about reverse racism and the relevancy of knowing the history of Black people today. Later on, we'll get into some juicy conversations about sex, boundaries, and communication. Get out your pen and paper because we've got a great Black queer perspective on this. But first, Josh. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some political tea. Politics now. <laughs> okay. So, by the time that people start hearing this, it will be Black History, the first day of Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I don't really know, like, what I guess I'm expecting for Black History Month, especially the fact, especially because we're in a pandemic right now. So I guess my first question to you might be, like, uh, how are we supposed to celebrate Black History Month during a pandemic? Well, so it's so difficult to really talk about because not only are we having to address Black History Month, during a pandemic, we are after, after shortly after the wake of what was the Black Lives Movement that occurred during the summer and has continued to go. Um, I feel like we're going to approach this month with a very different perspective, where we have a new presidency, but it's still in the water. Exactly, what is the direction for Black Lives essentially in America at this point? And are the grievances that we've outlaid to society within this past year, are they going to get addressed? And I feel like that's what's going to sit in our minds the most. Um, I, for myself, I see this month becoming a healing point in the year um, to double check and reconnect with my, my blacker self. How, how, how do you think we're going to heal when we when we still have to like address the fact that we just got done with four years of a president that was like a white supremacist. And now we still, we have like this growing online social media movement of people who are pretty much still white supremacists, even though Joe Biden is president and they are still continuing their path of like, White, white supremacy and neo-nazism how can you how can we hail if like that's still on the radar so this is how i like to point it out maybe the word isn't heal maybe it's self-soothe but it is still a part of a healing process let's say i broke my leg let's say okay. my, let's say my th- femur has jutted itself out of my leg because of it that's yeah. a big break i mean there's a big break there's a lot going on there and there's Two or three parts to this healing process. First part is getting that femur back inside your body and letting the skin in the top layer of your skin to heal over. Then we got to worry about the bone reattaching itself, healing itself. And, you know, at the root, 
no, even though the skin on my leg heals, I still can't fucking walk. And <laughs> the literal structural foundation to my to my wound is still broken, but some part of it has healed. And I, I see the situation in that same light. We are not healing structurally. We're, we're not healing the bone and frame of our experiences, but we are at least healing from the top layer agitation that was his presidency. And in a lot of ways, I think it's just a little bit of recoup time. This is a month that we as black people feel, or of black descent, we feel empowered because it's a month that we basically take over. You, you hear people having like a birthday week. This is like black people birthday month. And as pressuring and audacious it may seem, we're like, move over, fucking everybody. This is about us. Check my Facebook. Check my Insta. Check my Twitter. Black, 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 black. And we are allowed to have this month. It should be more than a month. But this is the month where we're going to dominate for a moment. Uh, uh, my plan for Black History Month um, is I'm going to try and do this. I don't know if it's going to be feasible or not since I'm currently in graduate school. Mm-hmm. But I am joining this since I like to read, obviously. I'm doing this thing called Blackathon, where like you read uh these novels by black authors with black characters in it, and they have like special different themes for like, you know, like um sci-fi, fantasy, or thriller, horror, or like contemporary literary fiction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I plan on doing for Black History Month, I guess. Um I'm in terms of like healing for me. I think I've kind of already started to do that because, like, I noticed today as I was trying to decide for, like, a political topic for this debate, I was like, wow, it's only been, like, you know, a couple of days since Joe Biden has been in office, but, like, the news has been very boring lately. And I'm happy for that because I don't have to worry about, like, oh, what's, what is, you know, the white supremacist in chief doing today? And so, I mean... I think in that sense that, like, my whole, like, refreshing the news, like, 24 hours, like, a day, seeing, like, being immediately updated on what's happening, I, um, I, I think, um, that's, I, I've healed in that way so far. You know, now that you pointed out, we have, I mean, the right has been trying to pull some wild shit, like, they're trying to make it sound like the whole pipeline thing is something outrageous, the whole... God forbid, um, having to pause Trump's past programs to evaluate it is like some audacious move. But like, in general, things have been so calm. You know, we're going to get those people, though, that like once Black History Month starts, they always say like, well, why don't we have a white history month? I'll be like, well, bitch, you have a whole white history class. Okay. <laughs> In fact, it's so it's so ingrained that we don't even call it white history. We just call it history. So shut up. I mean, yeah. I think the issue is with that is that white people see themselves as the American preset. They do not perceive themselves as white. They perceive themselves as Americans, but they perceive the rest of us as other. And we know how human nature is when you get othered and they see us get all these things and they don't take any remote consideration, the context to why we're having to do it. And they're like, well, this is not fair. You know, why is this group being treated special? But they completely ignore the fact that we're, we're getting this little nugget of 
of glorification and amongst a sea of dread caused by them. So, And even then, like, when you think about Black History Month, when I, I remember when I was in school, when I learned about Black History Month, it was not this, it, like, I learned about the same shit every fucking year. And, like, no disrespect MLK, to, you know, MLK, Rosa Parks, and Harriet Tubman, but, it. like, that was to my knowledge, the extent of my Black history education. Every fucking year, I learned that Rosa Parks sat on the fucking bus, that MLK led a march, you know, and he gave an I Have a Dream speech because apparently that's the only thing that they think that MLK wrote. Um, And that Harriet Tubman freed to slaves in the Underground Railroad. And, like, I didn't learn anything else, really. And maybe it got a little bit more uh, comprehensive, like, maybe, like, in like middle school but then like once you start to get to high school and those like upper level classes you like the uh like course of standards like for example i started taking ap class this is why i think ap classes are stupid but like i started to take ap classes and you have to follow this set schedule so that you can be able to take the ap exam at the end of the year and so i took ap us history and i took uh uh and I took AP US history and we did not have to have time really to do Black History Month. And a lot of times there is hardly any time to do Black History Month because they have to follow some kind of course of standard for like the state. So, and even then when they do do the Black History Month unit, it's literally like, okay, we're going to spend like a week on slavery. Then we're going to spend a week on the Civil War. And then we're going to spend a week on Jim Crow. And then we're going to spend another week on, like, maybe, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, who who built the light bulb or some shit like that. And I feel like when we do that, this is also why I think we, I feel like we need to, like, maybe, like, restructure how we teach Black history. Because they make it seem as if it happened so fucking long ago. And there is stuff still happening that is still contributing to Black history, if that makes sense. Yes it's it's wild because i pretty much believe that our white our white counterparts believe black history consists of three people three people in two phases slavery uh, i I say that back three phases slavery jim crow and freedom it's that minimalist approach that has made things so much harder in modern day to even tackle the things that are still attached to those issues because they see it as a clean there was this, there was this, now there's this. There was this person and this person and this person. Now we're done. The end. We're all the same. And now that it's over, it happened mm-hmm. in the past. And now that black people but, but, have rights, we shouldn't we shouldn't have to sit black, black and white. white. It has to be ancient history. It's 2021. These are different. Like really though? Is it really that different? I'm pretty certain if you're dark skin walking down the street, you're still afraid as you were in 1980 to get shot or taken to jail. <laughs> so like, I don't think things have changed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, like racism ended oh, when yes. Obama became president. <laughs> so, oh, there he was. the seal <laughs> on the deal. There goes racism. Was oh, my God. I love that. Like, I love that. Like one, like, the, like one of the biggest facts that we tell people, we tell like children about Harriet Tubman, was that her slave hit her with a weight. Like, why is that an important fact versus like she was a abolitionist 
and a like she like was this huge like political figure and fucking mm. spy but she got hit in the fucking face with a weight and that's the story of harriet <laughs> i would Tubman. be saying why people wonder when black people start working with our ancestors why they get so mad and why suddenly we start getting so mad in that spirituality because they're looking back it's like i'm known for what a fucking weight I used to hold a gun up to my cousin's head and say, you say a damn thing while we run away, I'm shooting you right here. But they're going to talk about me getting hit in the head with a weight? Okay. And then, like, the sanitizing of and whitewashing of MLK. Like, that is also something else. Like, the whole, like... I get like this is this is a larger conversation about like racism in general, but the whole like fight racism with love and the thought that MLK was just like so okay with joining hands with a racist and us living all together, like you know, like it's okay if you're racist, but you love each other. <laughs> and I'm like, do y'all not sense any cognizant dissonance to this? <laughs> you just love each other. No, you can't just have your beliefs and still say you can love them. You, in fact, cannot love someone that you hate their existence for no other reason but them existing. Like, it's because no, it's, it's empty words. We're, and it's part of American culture in general. We're a culture of many words that are empty. We make band-aid statements towards all of our issues just in general that have no meaning. And as long as we get that immediate moment, momentary gratification of feeling love and unity and connect, we think the job is done towards any problem but you know no matter how lovey-dovey and feely i feel towards georgina right now if georgina is wearing a white cape hood going down no is that a real person burn down a goddamn black church no i'm not gonna feel i'm not gonna keep feeling happy in love that people are so detached from the consequences of their actions and thoughts that they it's like they live in moments. It's, it's like folks don't even live in a stretch of time. It's like you realize that today, tomorrow, and the next day is one continuous experience. It's not like we're flipping to another channel or turning on a new episode. Yeah, I and yeah, I, I agree with all of you said. It, it, it's so like, I want to say like it's, I don't, I want to say that it's so like uniquely American, but like then like I don't really know the cultures of different countries just because like, just growing up in America, I've only been told that America is America and it's the greatest country in the world. But like the, the going back to like the mm-hmm. MLK thing, um, is that like he wanted to end racism and white supremacy. And I feel like that is just always somehow just like overlooked through his like message of love. Um, but we have to go into our next topic, but it seems like yeah. we proved the point that Black History Month is still it's pretty fucking relevant. relevant. <laughs> yeah, it is. So um, let's move into our next topic of sex and boundaries and communication. Oh, here we go. <sighs> yeah. So as you know, February is upon us. And for a lot of us, this is a dreadful month oh, of depression. Um, for others, this oh, is God. a time of love, expression, and intimacy. But with that... Wait. Huh? Have people decided to make the entire month of February Valentine's it really Day? It really do be feeling like that, though. 
I mean, fair, I mean, <laughs> Valentine's Day happens in the middle of the month, and there's only 28 days. When you hit 14, I mean, you're halfway there. What else is there to February <laughs> other than that black? Unless you're black, I mean, there's really no more relevance to February past Valentine's Day. But <laughs> I mean, kind of like <laughs> kind of like December. The whole month is like a stage built up up to Christmas, and then after that, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> December twenty seventh. <laughs> fuck is that? People are born on the twenty sixth. Yeah. Oh, God. But, I mean, it. so February is a, a time of intimacy and whatnot. And even in our God-given, God-given, 2021, um, <laughs> we still are riddled with it, uh, relationship issues that I think are really important to address. And they're issues that I've had to come to address to myself. And they are relevant regardless if you're in a romantic and committed relationship or if you're having hot flings left and right it is understanding boundaries and the boundaries that you want in your relationships both sexually and non-sexually and discussing about it okay um what 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 can you like explain so, what you mean by boundaries? we're talking about boundaries sorry i was just wondering if you had like anything to add to it that's why i popped Oh, oh, I might have something to add, but let's let's give them some context and exposition. So, talking about boundaries. When we talk about it in a romantic sense, it's it can include negotiating like terms in the relationship. Are you in an open relationship? Is the relationship closed? Do you feel like you need an open relationship or a closed relationship? Are there things that you like to be done to you romantically, such as do you like hugging? Do you like to be touched? Do you like it being spontaneous or do you need it to be asked for? It could be, you know, it's those details of a relationship that I think a lot of times we just kind of gloss over when we think about entering a relationship. It's like everything's just going to work out magically and you realize your partner, in fact, does not like being coddled with when you sleep at night or finding out your partner does not like it when you call them baby because it demeans them in some way. Um, it's So basically when we talk about boundaries in a romantic sense, it's t- talking about like what is the best and healthy way to show love, care, affection, and how to like engage with your significant other in a way that makes them feel safe and comfortable. And as well as ensuring those boundaries for yourself. And, and then sexually, okay. it's discussing like, you know, the typical, um, is there a safe word in sex? Like, are you, is, what is going too far for your partner? What is going too far for yourself? Um, what are things that you're comfortable with and what are things that you're not comfortable with? And in this month, month of Valentine's, uh, or at least half a month, you know, I like to think a lot of people like to choose this time to spice things up (laughs) and with it, with a holiday that's so focused on love and sex, um, you would think you would think that it would be my favorite fucking holiday yeah, since I love having sex. It's love and sex for people who are in committed relationships, I guess. <laughs> You're right. The rest of us get shafted off. But while exploring this energy and season of um, spiciness, you've got to have an honest conversation with the people you engage with. Um, of recent, in a sexual experience with myself, I've came to learn that I don't have as hard and as clear communicated boundaries for myself. 
um, I have discovered that like in my pursuit to try to please someone or to try to make them feel good, I sacrifice my boundaries to uh, hyper-focus on theirs. And I guess, you know, that's kind of what inspired this whole conversation is like, how conscious and mindful are we being of ourselves and of the other when we're engaging in these very vulnerable and emotion and intimate filled experiences? So, I mean, when I think about boundaries and Mm -hmm. for, for me, I, I guess my boundaries, like I'm very communicative. So like, I, I don't mind talking to like my sexual partners and I say sexual partners because like, I usually don't have like romantic partners because aromantic, polyamorous, (laughs) all that good shit. So I, I mean, I, I don't mind talking to them about stuff like that. Like, I feel like I agree with the saying that if you're not comfortable talking about sex, then you probably mm-hmm. should not be having sex. And I'm very comfortable talking about sex to my partner. It's like, hey, I like XYZ. I don't like XYZ. But I guess I never, I've never really been put into a situation, at least like recently, or like the last couple of years where like I've been having, I would say last couple of years as if I've been having sex for like 20 <laughs> years, but like maybe like the last like, <laughs> last like three years, I have not been put in a situation where I was like, we're crossing a boundary or something because I feel like I either they know my boundaries and they don't cross them. And I'm just lucky to be with people who don't cross my boundaries. Or if a boundary is crossed, I'm very, very quick to be like, okay, we're done. It's like, pause. This is not okay. I also just don't have that many. I feel like I don't have that many boundaries. Cause like, very I feel like I'm, I'm. Well, for me, yeah. like, I thought the same, like, I hope no one that's listening to this is someone that I have great honor and respect for. Sorry if I'm revealing too much. But like for me, I like the idea of someone taking control. I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, but I definitely need control in every aspect of my life. And I'm stressed. And the one thing I don't like having control in is, or at least completely is within a sexual situation. But I always operated, operated it as I do have control but when the time comes that I need to say it, I'll say it. But if not, I'm going to enjoy it. But like for me, I didn't realize that it took my other partner highlighting it for me to realize that the smaller things that I just kind of let pass, like how that really reflects how I care and treat myself for like, let's say my partner was biting me a little too hard or they slapped me and I did like sexually and I didn't like it. In, I realized in those moments, these little things, I'm not able to say no. Or not necessarily I'm not able to, but I struggle to. And I'm like, ooh, I got to address that. That's not healthy for me. The way I saw it was like, how would I how would I approach the situation if I heard a friend say that they let someone do something to them they didn't feel comfortable with? I'd chew them the hell out, right? But I was, I had to dawn on me, I was like, I got to do that for myself. Like it took the other partner to get me to say something was uncomfortable. And it's like, I should have been the, I should have been the first one to acknowledge it, to have valued it and to have done something about it. And so now I'm going through like this transformation where I'm like, well, damn, what, what are my boundaries? And how can I get the confidence to say it? Typically my boundaries are, I don't want it to be super gross on purpose and i don't like to be hurt okay well define gross 
I don't want to get shit on or picked <laughs> on. Really? <laughs> Emphasis on willing. Accidents happen, but it's the whole willing. Oh, no, baby. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's a that's a reasonable boundary. Um, I feel like most people. I'm not gonna say most people. I no, I'm not even. I'm not even gonna even no. So is is that all? It's just just like you. Okay, and what do you mean by you don't want to be? Hurt? So like in general, I don't like a lot of pain. Like I was that kid that would break down and have a middle bre- uh, breakdown because I got stung by a bee. So that let that be a register of my pain tolerance. So I really don't like getting slapped, at least not with full force. I don't like getting hit. I... You mean like slapped in the face? Yeah. Or like on... So what about slapping on the ass? I don't really care for that either. It hurts. Oh my, it hurts. Some part of me feels like it's a trauma response from getting whooped. As <laughs> oh. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Like, it's like, I get jolted. I'm like, nope, I'm not okay with this. Oh, okay. Um, I like dominance to be exampled through a more subtle means, not through like excessive force. And so like today, well, not today, but the last time I had a sexual encounter, they bit my nipples a little too hard, like really too hard. Like my nipple is purple now. I'm kind of concerned. Like it really did hurt, but like, I like it a little bit. I didn't like (gasps) it. Oh my God, Josh. Hmm? I just realized something. Yes. I do have boundaries, but they're like romantic kind of boundaries. Ooh, let's explore that. Okay, so I just realized, like, I remember you saying, like, you know, like, do you like to hug? And I'm like, no. Do you like to hold hands? I'm like, no. Do you no. Like no. <laughs> do you like to say I love you? No. I okay, that makes more okay. So I don't really have that many sexual boundaries, but I do have, I guess, a lot of like emotional romantic boundaries, and most of them are in the sense of like the traditional sense of like romance. Like for me, people may, and this this is weird because this is this is why dating for me is really difficult. Because for most people, I guess a boundary would be like, of course we're gonna fucking hold hands, of course we're gonna like you know like hug and kiss and do cutesy couple stuff. But for me, it's like it's the I don't wanna, it just it's so weird. I don't like it. So that's like a big like big boundary. And like I mean, people might think that me saying like I love you is like a big boundary, but that's also like I don't want to hear you say that to me either. Um, I'd rather you call me like your little slut than you say like I love you um what else is like i don't want to talk about marriage i don't want to talk about like any of that like romantic gooey stuff like that i don't that's like that's a no for me and also another boundary is that like i don't want to be with someone who is i'm not gonna say someone who's not monogamous but someone who is not okay with me being polyamorous like so, they, they have to be willing to enter a form of poly relationship, even if on their end they're not poly. Yeah, and I mean, usually I don't want to. I usually don't really like to be with people who are, are themselves not poly because, like, I just feel like it's just not going to work out. It's just going to explode in my face because, like, I mean, you can say like, "Oh, like I'm monogamous," and I don't really care. And there are some people who really just don't care. They just themselves are monogamous. Mm-hmm. But like, most people would be like, "Oh, I don't really care. I'll, I'll compromise for you." And then they end up getting jealous and it just becomes a whole toxic situation. So I would just prefer to be with someone who like knows what it means to be polyamorous and to be okay with that. And like I said, like I'm a very communicative person. And so like I tell people up front if I want to like engage like in some kind of like committed relationship, like, okay, this is my like 
this is like what I want. And so like, if we can agree on some kind of terms that's pleasing for both of us and fair for both of us, then this is not going to work out. And so that is, I guess, I have a lot of romantic emotional boundaries, but in terms of like sex boundaries, I'll just say this. I'm willing to try anything once. Would you get fisted? Oh, of course. I have dreams about... (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I have dreams. I just, I don't know. You know how, like, okay, you know how, like, I like to watch, like, ASMR videos and, like... No, you don't. No. It's something that just fascinates me about the idea of someone reaching into my rectum and so far that they are able to grab my lower intestines and squeeze it. There's something... (laughs) I'm <laughs> not laughing because I'm judging laughing because it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> Why is it uncomfortable? Ah, that's too far. <laughs> this is too far. Too far what? I don't need him grabbing my small intestine. You know how far up that is? Oh, sorry. Large intestines. I don't know my biology. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, Aaron, he's halfway in you. <laughs> like, I mean... Aaron- don't you want to be like so someone's glove? I feel like I th- I feel like a lot, or maybe not a lot. Some people do have a curiosity of it, and in some degree, I do too. Because I mean, I like big dick, so I'm over here like I don't. I'm like a fist. I mean, I mean, I could probably handle it. But my my, <laughs> my line is, I don't want to do anything that could cause permanent change or damage to my intestines. And like, what happens if I get fisted? I'm not able to have butt sex anymore. Like, I don't know how it works. I don't even they can, they can stitch it back up and put it all back up in there. That's not what I want, though. That's a lot. That that's a lot of steps I don't want. Go big or go home. Go big or go home. I mean, if my ass is big enough that it's seeping out into the chair, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like Okay, but see that's funny that like uh, getting married is I, I would probably I would want to be fisted more than being married. <laughs> They're breaking boundaries right there. Social boundaries. <laughs> At least we're both very com- communicative to like our partners and stuff. Like that's that's good. I mean, that's, I that's like... what matters. And yeah. You talk about like romantic boundaries. For me, I think I'm in a position where I'm exploring that. Like I know I do feel jealousy. I know when I was in an open relationship, I did not like the idea of my other partner having sexual relations with them. But it was always on the contingency because my partner was not having enough sex with me. So I always felt like oh, they're just, they're literally just going to fuck someone else because they don't want me. But if I was in a more equal powered relationship or I felt like we were equally interested in each other, I don't know. Some part of me feels like I would be open to dating someone that's poly or open to dating someone that wanted to be in an open relationship from the get go. You know what I mean? We need we need to have a longer conversation about that because I I I I just want to know I I want to know why people feel that like if they go fuck somebody else then then they feel that way that you, that you explain that how you would have felt. I think a lot of it is like a guttural um, instinct or a guttural response, probably somewhere to do with our natural instincts, but I think just as a sum up, it's rooted in the value of sex in a closed monogamous relationship. Mm. And I think that monogamous relationships is a culture of its own. And that's why it's hard to explain that to someone who is naturally poly. Um, 
there, when you're in a relationship, you're in a social contract with each other. And it's the principle of in this closed relationship, we have sex only with each other because it is a demonstration of how much we value each other. Not that that not that that act innately means that, but in a nonverbal way, you as a couple confirm that. And I feel like that's an important part of discussing boundaries is talking about these details of relationships that we take for granted, which is what happens in a closed monogamous relationship. What value are we putting on sex individually and together? What value are we putting on cuddling, on expressing each other's love language? Um, I I also feel like, and this will probably be the last thing, but I also feel that like we don't really discuss, I guess, jealousy enough in like relationships because like that's one of the main things that people say is why they can they can't be polyamorous is because like oh I would get jealous and it presents this notion that polyamorous people don't get jealous when in fact they do get jealous but they are just very good at communicating with their partners they sit down they say okay i'm feeling jealous and they figure out why do you feel jealous and then like what can we do as a couple to overcome that feeling and to like alleviate that um but we need to have a we need to have a conversation one day about relationships maybe we'll do it on valentine's day yeah but um (laughs) so uh yeah so uh thanks for listening everyone um Remember to uh, go and follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Tea Time Podcast, and the Owen Podcast is the number zero. And also feel free to email us at podcastteatime1 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.